Well, good morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity, and we are so thankful to be worshiping with all of you this morning. If you're with us live right now on YouTube or Facebook, why don't you jump in on the comments? You can greet each other. Let us know where you're worshiping from, how you're doing. And as you guys do that, let me just remind you all the ways that we can stay connected during this time. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram by searching Trinity NR. That's Trinity NR on Facebook or Instagram. You can also go to the App Store, either with an iPhone or Android, and just look up Trinity North Reading. You'll find our app there. And on the app, you'll be able to follow along with sermon notes or find small group questions if you want to use those. And of course, you can always go to our website, which is trinitynr.org. Again, we are so thankful that even though we're not in the same room right now, we are united in worshiping Jesus together. And at this point, I want to pass it over to Leanne Ray for a couple minutes. Good morning, kids. The last few weeks, we have been learning that we are the church. And we started studying the book of Acts so that we can understand what the church looks like. This morning, we're going to continue to look at Acts chapter 2. It says that the believers were sharing and worshiping and eating together. We are learning that the church does life together. And it looks a lot like what we do as families. But there's one part I haven't read for you yet. In chapter 2, verse 46, it says that we should do this with great joy and generosity. See, I think that the believers really enjoyed being together. They liked hanging out. So what about you? If I showed up at your house today and I asked your family how enjoyable you are to live with, would they give me a thumbs up or would they give me a thumbs down? Or would they do one of each? Hmm, some days I think it's one of each, but I think that if we focus on becoming more like Jesus, we can be people who are encouraging and who are filled with joy and generosity. So this week, I want that to be a priority for families. I've got four things for us to do every day this week. You ready? You're going to have to choose somebody in your family to take charge of each of these things. The first is that each day this week, I want you to read a Bible story as a family. So one person in your family needs to choose the Bible story. The second thing that I want every family to do every day this week is to pray together. Choose somebody in your family to lead you in prayer each day this week. Next, I want somebody to be the memory maker. What can you do each day this week to build a memory as a family? Our family, we have been playing Tenzi. It's so much fun. And last but not least, I want you to choose somebody to be your dessert decider. Every day this week, have dessert just for fun, just to do something together as a family while you learn more about Jesus. To help our family, I actually made a little chart. We have got a Bible buddy, a prayer person, a memory maker, and a dessert decider each day during this week, and everybody's got an assignment. Maybe you can make a chart for your family too. I hope that you will make it a priority to seek Jesus together as a family. That's all I've got for Children's Church today. But many of you know that I live with somebody who is far more fun than I am. So it is my pleasure to turn things over to Mark, 
who will be sharing this morning's announcements. All right, all right, all right. Thank you for that introduction, Miss Leanne. You guys, isn't she doing such a great job? It's so fun to watch her on Sunday mornings. Awesome stuff. Awesome. Okay, first off, I got to give a quick shout out to Pastor Kirk, to Pastor Matt, to Pastor David. You guys are doing an unbelievable job right now. This is no easy feat. This huge transition and all this stuff up in the air. So I got to give you kudos. You guys are really killing it. I love it. Also, I got to just say, isn't it so funny right now? So like the only thing you can do literally is like take a walk or whatever. And you go out on a walk and maybe you see somebody, uh, maybe a neighbor, maybe somebody you don't even know. And you're like, hey, hey, how you doing? Oh, oh my gosh, look, it's a person. Honey, look, there are people out here. Have you ever seen people before? It's unbelievable. I, I can't believe it. Look, there's human beings. It's so funny. Like You never thought of it before, but now you see somebody. It's the highlight of your day. So anyways, I thought, thought that was funny that I thought I'd share that with you this morning. But here's the deal. I have got two announcements for you. Two announcements. Number one is the How to Study the Bible series is continuing on Wednesday evenings. It's a Zoom call. We've got like almost 60 participants. So it's really cool. If you're registered, you're on that Zoom call, keep showing up on Wednesdays. It's been a great time. If you haven't, you still can register. If you go to trinitynr.com, dot org slash events you can register for the class you'll get that invitation you can hop on with us on wednesday nights great time i absolutely recommend it number two uh, the national day of prayer is coming up that's on may 7th thursday may 7th at 7 p.m we are going to have a live prayer service if you guys remember we did it on good friday so we'll do facebook live and youtube Either one of those channels you can sign into and you can do the prayer service with us live on Thursday, May 7th at 7 p.m. All right, that's all I've got today. Thank you guys for letting me do this. I really appreciate it. It's so fun to be back up here. Now I'm going to head over to uh, Pastor Kirk. Thank you, Mark. Man, it's good to see your face. And I think I even saw a little beard coming in there. It's looking good, looking good. Hey everybody, I want you guys to know as a church that if you or anyone you know is in need right now, we as a church want to be ready to assist you. If that need is for food, financial, maybe you need help with transportation or you need somebody to help deliver groceries, but you have the means to get them, you just don't have somebody able to deliver them. We have teams of people ready to assist you. And the contact information for all of that is here on the screen. Please reach out to us. We want to make sure that no one is alone in the midst of this. And hey, on top of that, I want to thank you guys so much for the ways you've been continuing to support the mission of this church. We want to be growing as those rooted in Jesus, growing in our relationships with each other, and serving our community. Well, that's still happening, even in the midst of a pandemic. And I believe more so than ever. We're seeing the way God is moving and at work in and through all of us. And so thank you for giving. And if you would like to continue to give, uh, there are a variety of options and ways you can do so. Either online on our website at trinitynr.org, or you can download our app and give through that, or via text, or simply shoot us a check in the mail. But by doing that, we are partnering together in this thing that God, I believe, is doing through us as his church. And before I pass it off uh, to David, who's going to share the word with us today, 
Uh, will you pray with me? Father God, I will never pretend to understand your ways. But your word says that your thoughts are higher than ours, that your ways are better than ours. God, and I believe your words are always deeper. Your love is stronger than ours. And so we do not pretend that we can bring your mission forward on our own strength. We need you and your spirit to do that. And so, God, we pray into what you are doing here. And we know that only we move forward as surrendered people, not as those ultimately grasping for control. So we surrender not just our finances, God, but our entire selves before you. And I pray, Father, that you will comfort the lonely, the grieving, that you'll provide for those who are financially distressed, and that you will, your church will rise up like never before, to carry uh, your mission forward in the power of your spirit. Thank you for what you are doing in and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to pass it off to Pastor David to share the word today, but before I do, check this out. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Those who are being saved. Well, good morning, Trinity. Excellent video as always. That is going to be a very tough act to follow. Terrible pun intended. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity. It is a privileged to continue our study through the book of Acts and to worship with you this morning. If you missed one of our last two Sundays or you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And I would just encourage you, if you did miss one of the last two Sundays, not now, maybe later, go back and watch those two services for a few reasons. One, the praise and worship was completely spirit-led. It was fantastic. Two, the sermons were Christ-centered. And three, the book of Acts is what I like to call an and-then book. It builds on itself continually. It begins with Jesus, post-resurrection, teaching the disciples about the kingdom of God. And then, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And then, Jesus ascends into heaven. And then, the disciples go back to Jerusalem. And then, Judas basically offs himself in fulfillment of scripture. And then, and then, and then. And that is Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts, and here comes the second pun in as many minutes, is a book of action. The action of Jesus Christ, the action of the Holy Spirit, and the action of the believers. And so we join this story already in progress. 
with Jesus having ascended, the Holy Spirit having descended, filling the new believers. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples begin to speak in the native languages of thousands of people that have filled Jerusalem for these feasts. The arrival of the Holy Spirit and the disciples speaking in these foreign languages attracts a large crowd. And Peter uses this occasion to address the crowd and he delivers a sermon about the person and work of Jesus Christ. That Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior, and he was crucified for our sins. When the people hear this, they are cut to the heart and they are led to repent. They turn their hearts away from their sin and toward God. Luke, the author of Acts, records that 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ on that day. And then. We'll pick up the story in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, as you've heard. And I want to read it again because we're going to unpack it a little bit and examine what these new believers did and why they did it. And we will boil it all down to one word, a one-word charge for us individually and collectively. But before we do that, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, the book of Acts, we're so thankful for it. We're so thankful for your work by your Holy Spirit. The birth of the church is what we're reading through right now, Father. And it is humbling to read of the boldness of Peter, a man who just weeks before this denied Jesus Christ, but now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaims Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins. And Father, we see your spirit move, not only in him, but in thousands of other people that give their life over to your son. So, Father, I pray for the same boldness that Peter had, that by your Holy Spirit, not my own strength, Father, that these are your words in this sermon, not mine. These people don't need to hear my opinion. They need to hear your truth. So, Father, fill these words. This can't be another sermon. I pray that every one of us is cut to the heart, filled by your Holy Spirit, proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did. And Father, would you start today? Would you do a mighty work? Be with us today as we worship you. Be in this word. Be the center of it. Be the subject and the object of our worship. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. So again, we will pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, to the, and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number 
day by day, those who were being saved. Amen. And, and, and. I'm sure you heard all 16 of them. This early church was a church of action, a church in motion, upward motion of praise and worship, inward motion of learning, and an outward motion of serving. It's almost as if this early church wanted to be rooted in Christ, growing together and serving others. Boy, that would make a brilliant mission statement. Someone should write that down. And right there in verse 42, Luke tells these early believers, or Luke tells us that these early believers were devoted to four things, and I'm sort of going to couch the last two under one, so we're going to look at three things that these early believers were devoted to. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Start with the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Doctrine is a, a little bit more literal translation of that word teaching. Christian doctrine is the entire body of truths that form the message of Jesus Christ. It is the stated good news of Jesus. This is the gospel. Simple statements that rest on profound biblical truths. For example, Jesus is Lord. This is a statement from Acts or from Romans chapter 10 verse 9. Simple yet incredibly profound. To get that wrong is to get everything wrong that comes afterwards. And if these early believers were dogmatic, if they were assertive about the Christian doctrine, it's because the apostles were bulldogmatic about Christian doctrine. How dogmatic were the apostles? Let's ask the apostle Paul. Hey Paul, people are getting a little tired of this repentant faith in Jesus stuff. You okay if we change the message a little bit? Maybe we make it a little bit more relevant. Maybe we sharpen or dull the sharp edges of it a little bit. Maybe we take the focus a bit off of the cross. Paul, are you okay with that? Paul's response 2,000 years ago. If we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one we preached, let him be damned. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul, that sounds a bit harsh. Are you sure about that? As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be damned. Galatians chapter 1, verse 9. Right thinking, right theology, the right gospel. The apostles were devoted to teaching it, and the new believers were devoted to learning it. But why? Because at the center of Christian doctrine is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And if your doctrine does not revolve around the person and work of Jesus Christ, your doctrine is not big enough. It is not powerful enough. It is not hope-filled enough. It is not authoritative. It is not a doctrine of freedom. It cannot pick you up when you're weary, dust you off when you're dirty, console you when you're lonely, write you when you're wrong, shine a light into the dark, or chase away the shame and guilt. 
For there is no good news of salvation other than the good news in the person and work of Jesus Christ, because there is no name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Now, more than ever, in these trying times, we need the Christian doctrine. We need to be a people of the book, of the word of God, of the doctrine. The Trinity Over the last several weeks, I have seen this love, this love of yours on display in your small groups, on display daily, 8 a.m. on our live devotionals. I've seen it through the Bible studies and the learning environments, youth groups, your love for the word of God. It's been such a blessing to me and a witness to others. Be continually devoted to it. But these new believers didn't just get all academic with their faith. Luke tells us they also devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, I'm not one to lead with feelings in a sermon, or anywhere else for that matter. But I feel like fellowship has gotten a bad rap in Christianity, mostly because it's become such a deluded concept. Question. What makes a fellowship hall different from a cafeteria? The focus, right? In one place, our stomachs are the focus. And in the other place, our Savior is the focus. True Christian fellowship is not just a social gathering, but a spiritual gathering. Because like Christian doctrine... Christian fellowship has at its, as its center the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, if Christian fellowship is nothing more than a social gathering, then Christian fellowship was just canceled by social distancing. No way. For what did Jesus say in Matthew 18, 20? For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. What's the key? Where we gather? Nope. In whose name we are gathering. We are gathered today in the name of Jesus Christ, and you better believe that he is here with us. See, this word fellowship, it can't be defined with just one English word. It's more of a, of a concept than a specific word. Partnership. Communion. These are a couple of the words we could use to try to define Christian fellowship. It speaks to the relationship that we have with one another believers through Christ. And this was put on display by the generosity and the unity within this body of believers. It's not just a sharing of stuff. It is first a sharing of ourselves. And sharing our lives is essential to discipleship, to following Christ. And of course, discipleship, following Christ, is the essential part of Christian living. We see exactly that in what Luke writes about these early believers. And I apologize, I should have had a slide for this. So just follow along, listen to how Luke describes these in verses 44 through 46. Listen to this 
example, this demonstration of Christian fellowship. Verse 44, all who, were belie- who believed were together. They had all things in common. Verse 45, if someone had a need, they sold what they had to provide for it. Every day they worshiped together in the temple, shared a meal together in their homes. Verse 46, see, there is no I or me. There is only they and all, because there is no such thing as a lone ranger Christian, which is an odd thing to say anyway, because even the lone ranger had Tonto. You know what wolves do when they approach a herd? They corner off the most vulnerable and separate it from the herd. And right now there are brothers and sisters being cornered. Job loss, illness, depression, loneliness, anxiety, personal loss, feelings of intense isolation, temptation, addiction. No. Trinity, now more than ever, we need to be a lover of the word of God and we need to be a lover of people. We have to be more closely connected to one another, sharing our lives together, sharing our resources, providing for those in need. We've been so encouraged by your continued generosity during this COVID crisis. And I'm not just talking about the giving of money, but the giving of yourselves, first to God and then to one another. And Luke also tells us these early believers, they were devoted to the teaching, to the fellowship, and also the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is the Lord's Supper in the confession and prayers of the early church. These early believers, just 50 days removed from the actual event, the crucifixion, which the Lord's Supper remembers, never wanted to forget it. And I won't belabor this point, but they never wanted to forget Jesus' body broken for them or his blood shed for them because it is only by the broken body and shed blood of Christ that our sins are forgiven. And we too join with these early believers and saints around the world when we partake of the Lord's Supper, which we will do together shortly. And this early church was a church that did not just commune with one another, but they also communed with God through prayer. I want to say this as clearly as I can. There is no such thing as a healthy church that is not devoted to prayer. And there is no such thing as a healthy Christian who is not devoted to prayer. And that is one of the many things that I love about this body of believers here at Trinity. You, we, are a people devoted to prayer. Deep, meaningful, wrestling, begging for God's favor, intense prayer. And if you are new to prayer, maybe intimidated by prayer, let me assure you, the most effective prayers are the most raw. The desperate cry to God. Our Father in heaven is not impressed by eloquence, 
but he is moved by surrender. And some of the most powerful prayers I have ever heard are from those who have laid bare their souls with their words. We must never cheapen the sacrifice of Christ by neglecting to remember through the Lord's Supper and because of his sacrifice, in confidence, drawing near to the throne of grace through prayer. Again, we hope you all can join us this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. live for the National Day of Prayer. Now, up until this point, I wouldn't blame you if you felt like what I've given us all is a list of things to do or even held up this early church as a perfect church and said, why can't we be more like them? The church is often referred to in Scripture as the bride of Christ. And so let me assure you, this bride was on its honeymoon. It's not long after this that we will read about a financial pledge gone bad. They'll have to navigate the inclusion of the Gentiles or the the non-Jews to the body of Christ. They'll have to figure out what it looks like to share meals together cross-culture. The Galatian church will forget the gospel altogether. The Corinthian church is going to get all jacked up. This infant church had growing up to do and maturing to do as part of the normal process of becoming like Christ. They were very far from perfect. I can promise you that. Here is what I do want to recognize in them, however. This is the one word. This is the charge. This early church was devoted. These early believers had their desperation for the heart of God turned into devotion to the things of God. This word that Luke uses in verse 42, devotion, is not to be underestimated. It means an unrelenting care and attention to something. This is complete allegiance, a complete lifestyle change, a change that invades every area of your life. No locked closets, no stone unturned. And do you know what you get if you reverse the order? If you try to do the things of God to get the heart of God, you get religion. Religion says, if I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do it perfectly, I get God. But Jesus Christ did not come to start another religion. Jesus Christ came to reestablish a relationship. And this is where Christianity is different than every other belief system. In Christianity, being does not flow from doing. Doing flows from being. You are not a Christian because you do Christian things. You do the things of Christ because Christ himself has changed your very being. Who you are in him spills out into what you do. These early believers first devoted themselves to God and that devotion spilled out into a devotion to his word, to his people, and to his mission. This early church was literally on fire for Christ, ignited and fueled by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this is what separates 
the people who do church and play church, from the people who say, no, 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 I am the church. This is what separates the consumers of a product from partners on a mission. This body of believers didn't have meetings about how to attract more people. Their devotion to Christ was the attraction. They obeyed the commands of Christ because they were transformed by the person and work of Christ. In these past two weeks, studying through this passage, I have such a sense of immense gratitude for these types of relationships in my life. Believe me, I am not just preaching about it. My family's sanctification has been a product of it. There are a few families that we've been sharing this kind of life with over the past few years. And if you guys are watching, you know exactly who you are. No secrets, nothing hidden, wide open access. We pray together, we study together, we share meals together, we break bread together, we call one another on our sin. We point one another to Jesus, we encourage one another, we laugh together, we cry together. And I can't imagine life without them. And these are the types of relationships we were made for. We were created by a relational God. It's in his nature. It's literally who he is as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, forever existing in perfect love, perfect unity, perfect submission, perfect fellowship. And if you don't have these types of relationships, they are available to you. If you are not connected here at Trinity, don't put it off another day. Don't say to yourself, I'll go ahead and get plugged in when everything returns back to normal. Don't settle for just doing church. Life is found when you become the church. If that's you, if you're not yet connected, your next step, email me. David at trinitynr.org. That's it. That's your next step. Just email me. We need to be devoted to sharing our lives with other believers through deep and real Christian fellowship. I'll close with this. We've been reading about the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. I want to look ahead a little bit, not just in the text, but in our own reality. A short while after this, after what we read at the end of Acts chapter 2, a very short while, we read in Acts chapter 4 of their first opposition, and it comes from the Jewish religious elite. And it goes like this. Thousands more have been saved by the Holy Spirit. Jerusalem is in a tizzy over a healing that Peter and John do on their way to the temple. Peter again uses this opportunity to preach Christ crucified. And greatly annoyed, the council calls Peter and John before them, and Scripture tells us that the council charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, since the birth of the church, there has been opposition trying to kill it, which only makes sense because since the birth of Christ, opposition tried to kill him. And he actually allowed them to in complete obedience to the will of the Father. He even stayed dead for three days. 
And then, three days later, he burst forth from the grave in everlasting victory. And every single time history tries to declare the church of Christ dead, the Holy Spirit kicks open the grave one more time. They say that this pandemic will crush the church financially. They say this pandemic will crush the church relationally. They say that this pandemic will crush the church functionally. But I say in the name of Jesus Christ, nonsense. This pandemic will end. And this church will reopen its doors. And the Holy Spirit will again produce another harvest. And when those people walk through these doors, they will see a body of believers family, completely devoted to God, devoted to his word, devoted to one another, and devoted to his mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word has gone out and you tell us it does not return void. Father, I pray for a revival the likes of which we haven't seen before. I pray that the, you use this crisis to draw thousands and thousands and thousands of people to your name on the North Shore of Boston, in Massachusetts, in New England, in the United States, across the globe. Father, would your fire rain down again as we read in Acts chapter 2, that's who you are. You haven't changed. You want to move. We believe you will. Father, move. By the power of your Holy Spirit, move. Use this word, your word, your truth. Cut us to the heart and fill us with your spirit that we may repent of our sins and be saved forever to enjoy eternity with you. Father, may we be a people devoted to you, our entire lives changed, devoted to your word, devoted to one another. Father, devoted to your mission. We ask all of this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Man, what a powerful word, huh? This is the point when we as a church here and wherever you are are going to be united together in exactly what the early church did, breaking bread, remembering the death of Jesus given for us. I'm going to take a moment now just to have some silence. Shelby's going to play in the background. If this needs to be the moment when you go and you get the juice or you get the cracker that you've set aside and bring them to wherever you are, take that. If not, allow this to be a moment just to reflect and see if, in fact, there's anything from what Pastor David just shared that comes to your heart, that comes to your mind, uh, that you would like to confess and talk out with God. So I'm just going to take a few moments for us just simply to reflect or to grab uh, the juice and the crackers that you need.
God, it's in these moments of silence that we're confronted oftentimes with our fears, our anger, our grief. Father, I pray that we as your people would feel in this moment free to just lay those down right at your feet. Knowing that our identity is not rocked as your sons and your daughters. That we are not met with a God who is shaming us, but who desires to heal and to cleanse us. And there's nothing that pictures that better than the sacrifice of yourself for us. And so as we receive this, I pray that we will receive your grace and your mercy to cleanse and restore us yet again. Amen. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. And he says, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for forgiveness of sin. Take and drink. And I want to remind us that whether you have crackers like I do or whether you have a loaf of bread or whether you have Ritz crackers, right? That, that it's not what you have. It's that this is a symbol of what Christ has done for us. And no matter if you have grape juice or orange juice or something else, that juice itself is a symbol that something has been crushed, that we might be forgiven. And so I want to invite you now just to take that cracker and wherever you are, let's take and eat together in remembrance of him. Thank you, Jesus. And now together as a unified body, let's take the juice and drink. Will you pray with me? As forgiven people, those cleansed of a guilty conscience, no longer standing under the condemnation of God, but as his sons and daughters. May we even more surrender our lives to you, God, as an expression of worship and gratitude for what it is that you've done for us. And I pray by your power that this gospel message that we have been forgiven and cleansed, that it will spread throughout the earth. That it will not stop with us. But that you call all people to come and surrender and turn the allegiance of their hearts to you, Jesus. There will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And God, I pray that 
now while we have the moment that we will turn and confess in love that you are our Lord. Thank you for what you are doing in and through us. And as we continue in worship through music, draw our hearts in authentic praise to you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.